Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Hughes 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Hey, Kate. Mm-hmm. Give me a V. V? Give me an O. Oh. Give me a T. T. Give me an E. Uh-uh. <laughs> what should you have already have done several weeks ago by mail? Vote. Yay! Vote. <laughs> D. Give me a D. D. There you <laughs> go. All right, there we go. Voted. Yes, you should have voted already. Yes, it's the day before the election. Yeah, but does it really matter? Because I feel like people have been voting for a month. So. I know. Okay, I'm saying. So when you said, "Does it really matter?" That it was like, "Does it really matter that there's an election, or does it really matter that tomorrow is the day when?" It's but not, that's when they start counting the ballots. I, I guess tomorrow, yeah. So tomorrow's the last day you can vote. Right. That's a good. That's a much better way. Tomorrow's yeah. the last day you can vote. That's right. And we we have done so. Yep. Yep. As have all our compatriots, as far as we know. So supposedly, supposedly not my children. Hopefully, I mean, my, well, my, my kids have not voted. Well, I'm sure legal. they would. They would yeah. love to, but uh, they are they are not legally allowed. I don't think I knew who the president was when I was their age. I I did because we had a, a vote in my school, and I remember oh. going to our uncle Bobby's wedding and going table to table and being like, "So who did you vote for?" <laughs> yeah, I voted for Mondale, and then like going to the next table. Really? Oh yeah. I was apparently very comfortable with telling strangers about my democratic uh, tendencies. And let me tell you, I don't think I talked to a single person who would have voted for Mondale at that party. So. Probably not. Probably not. So what else do we do besides talk about voting? Oh, we um, we, we talk about uh, children's books. What kind of picture books? Uh, uh, classic-y classics or awfully awfulers. I like how the tables have switched. I, I am unnerved by this. I and enjoy not, it thoroughly. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> sure where, who are, uh, okay. Well, wait, who are you? Ha <laughs> ha, I've, I've grabbed the lead again. Oh, I'm, I'm Kate. And I'm Betsy. And, uh, this is Fuse 8 and Kate. And yes, as I guess I said, we read <laughs> classics and determine if they're any good. And, uh, that's really all we do. So today's book Mm-hmm. is, well, I had, it occurred to me that we do a lot of the same people over and over, just because classics being what they are, certain people have more classics than others. And for whatever reason, I keep bringing up P.D. Eastman, who is not the best-known name in the world, but though his books are, um, we've done a lot of Dr. Seuss. We've pretty much done all the Sendax we can do that anyone has heard of. I am not doing We Are in the Dumps with Jack and Guys. Sorry, fans. Um, but this guy who is very famous uh, in his own right, who did a fair amount of books. We've only ever done one, one of his books. And, and you hated it, Kate. You hated it. That you hated it, it down. so <laughs> much. I know. I, well, it's about a perky girl. Does that make it? There's a lot of perky girls. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I'm just going to pull it out, and you're going to see what it is. Madeline's rescue. Madeline's back. Who's it by? Ludwig Bemelman. Yeah, that guy. Ludwig Bemelman. He's back, baby. Oh, this one's got a shiny gold medal on the cover. I thought we were supposed to be doing a Thanksgiving book. 
why would we do a Thanksgiving book at the beginning of November? Because every book could be a Thanksgiving book. You know, in the, November? In the, yeah. No, that'd be lame. I will do your Thanksgiving book. I will do it a little earlier. And how do you know, Missy, that this isn't a Thanksgiving book? I mean, it was does it the look French like... flag on the cover. <laughs> I mean, it kind of gave it away. Uh, it does look like it took place in the fall, though. With it like... does. It's got sort of an autumnal slash wintry slash hypothermia type of thing going on there. So, yeah, there's. Does she get feel. rescued from hypothermia? Is that the kind of? Oh, sort of. Does yeah. she die? Oh my gosh, this would be the best book. This Tell is a me very, she dies. It's a very tragic story, Kate. Oh, I don't Madeline's know. We death. can't make light of it. Oh. <laughs> Madeline's rescue. It's not Madeline's near rescue. <laughs> it's like, what it is. Take this book right. and read this book. While Kate does her read, let's talk a little bit about our favorite Bemelmans, the Ludwig Bemelmans. Yes, Ludwig Bemelmans, who uh, actually, fun fact, has a new book out. Well, not exactly. He has a reprinted book out. He's dead, you see. He's quite dead. But his book, Sunshine, was kind of the New York version of Madeline. And uh, not that it had a young girl. It had a a star of of a grumpy old man. So that's fun. And I happened to have a chance to interview his daughter, Barbara Bemelman. And, uh, and I had a couple questions for her. And I, I, one of my questions that I had for her was, could you give us a bit of a sense of your father and what he was like? And and here's some of her response. She said, uh, I never remember him sitting around in his pajamas with no plans for the day. Which I think is a great line. And if you put that on my tombstone, I would be happy with that. Um, you know, she also goes on. She has many things to say about him. This, I'll put the uh, link in the show notes. You, you should definitely read it. But it does say at one point, before his death, he wrote to Pat Cavisi, his editor at Viking, that he wanted the inscription on his tombstone to be, Tell them it was wonderful. So then I asked a question. Now you have to understand that in the book Sunshine, there was a character named Mrs. Miss Moore. And Anne Carol Moore was the most prominent children's librarian of the day. So I had to ask. And so I, I asked her, out of curiosity, is there any chance that Miss Moore's name came in any way from New York Public Library's Anne Carol Moore? I know she was a mover and a shaker in the field of children's literature, and I wondered if it might be an homage. Barbara Bevelman said, My immediate reaction was no to your question that asked whether Miss Moore's name was inspired by Anne Carol Moore, but on second thought, it could have been. My father knew so many people who, at the age of 12, I would not have met. I also seem to remember that my father's mother had a very close friend, Miss Moore, or maybe her friend was a Miss Clavel. Ha ha ha. Uh, I should just go on to say, I know for a fact he at least met Anne Carol Moore. We had a guest book. Uh, in the room, uh, the central children's room of near public library when I worked there. And on one of the pages, you could see him sort of battling it out with Maury Sendak to see who could do the best illustration. Bonjour. Bonjour. Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. Hola. <laughs> Hola. <laughs> uh, yep. You loved it. Look at that face. Y'all can't see her face. It beams. I mean, it could have been worse could have been about her so i mean she's in it it is she's in it, it but it's she, not really about her sort of she's in the title yeah all right that's bad enough yeah. so what did you know that there is a painting called tugboat on the sun no nope. and the cover of this book has a tugboat on the sun it was, it was done in 1906 so so you're saying ludwig bemelman's ripped off exactly the unknown <laughs> creator of tugboat on the sun because I, no one until this point had even thought 
of painting tugboats. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, I do I like know. how on the title page, though, the little girl runs into the clock. <laughs> Wait, she actually runs into the clock? Oh, yeah. She's like... <laughs> and then there's someone pointing here going... Ha, ha. <laughs> I think that's just like the go that way arrow. Shush. Oh, oh okay. Maybe not. I like my interpretation I better. I see. They're just cut off by the painter. So apparently they can go out at 930 at night. Uh, Seems a bit late. Don't you think? I like mean, if I've got two little girls and what? How many little girls? Twelve little. Twelve girls. little girls in two straight. Like, they're little girls. Little girls in two straight lines. I'm they, taking them out at nine thirty at night. They left the house at half past nine, and I thought, oh, don't you mean? Wasn't that? Wouldn't that be the morning? You would think so, but you look at the illustration. That is clearly nighttime. It's, oh, I don't know. The sun could be like it's a it's the terrible not, pollution, and it's what it's morning? It's the morning they're going no for the walk. Way. A morning walk. It's a morning walk, my friend. They. That's it, it that's sure my interpretation. Like so then they're on a midnight stroll, I, no, and no, Madeline is being a little brat, and she falls into the sand. Which well, she almost did in the last book. Right. So, you know, there's a precedent here. I mean, I'm glad she did this time. Okay. And then she died, She's... and that's the end that's of the book. That's not the end. No. It's not oh. called Madeline's, Madeline's unfortunate death. drowning incident. <laughs> Yep, she almost drowns apparently, and mm-hmm. she would be dead if it weren't for this dog. Part Labrador that apparently. can change colors. What? This dog looks white to you, doesn't it? Well, it's there was only then, one color on the entire page, and it's yellow. So right, but wouldn't you think that if the dog is a dark color, that the dog should be a dark color well, in the yellow maybe pages? Maybe it's a ghost dog. I don't know. Oh, it's real, oh. and it starts off white. And it ends up brown. Well, have you seen the sand? I mean... Have you seen it? In the 1900s, maybe... There's a lot of stuff going in that, and I don't think it's all clean. Ew. Just saying. I do like the... So the girl that ran into the clock? Yeah. um, I think she really hates Madeline. And she's carrying Madeline's hat, (laughs) and she's just dragging it through the mud. And you know she's thinking to herself, dang it. Yeah. Yeah. Almost, <laughs> almost had my chance to be the favorite pupil, but I'm not. <laughs> and the dog follows them, mm-hmm. and uh, and they take care of Madeline, you know, because she almost drowned. And they man, p- if she's not getting her appendix bursting one minute, she's almost drowning the next. She's yeah. girls in bed half the book series. No one ever remembers that. They they all go to bed, and Miss Clavel shuts the doors. And then all of a sudden, a thirteenth girl appears. Oh no! Again? Oh, this again. happens every time. I counted. So they're fighting in the dark. Last out. time it was like someone was in Madeline's bed. Now what? What is it this time? Well, they're all fighting about where the dog should sleep, and they're having like a giant pillow fight. Right. And I counted the heads, including the girl underneath the bed, and there's thirteen. Okay, there really is a 13th girl. Okay, I'm, I, I misspoke earlier. I said that there was an extra girl in Madeline's bed. That is not true. It's when Madeline's in the hospital in the first book, Madeline, and they've all sat down to dinner, and there are 12 of them there, which is... Then later, there seem to be 11, because there's an empty bed. This is the missing girl. She's returned! Unless this girl under the bed is supposed to be a rug, and maybe it's a weird, like, shadow play. Wait, let me see. It looks like a girl from here. I can tell you that. No, that's a girl. She's got fingers. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, telling. Yep. Hmm. So then the dog becomes part of their life. Mm -hmm. And apparently it's an English dog because it doesn't spell cat. C-H-A-T. Yeah, it spells it Yeah, wait a minute. Right? Is there a French word C-A-T? I don't think there is, is there? I don't think so. 
And plus no. the teacher. Who, oh, is pointing to a, yes. Who is the scariest teacher <laughs> ever? Look at that. Is that a face? Because that's the face of the devil. <laughs> that's terrifying. And you blame the little girl. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't want to live here if that man is a teacher. Yeah. Is that a man? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if he's going to be in my nightmares. Yeah, apparently. You know who the girls remind me of when they walk in formation? Who's it? I might have said this the last time we did a Madeline book. It, the girl, the French girls from Harry Potter. Oh, the Beaubaton. Yeah. Sure. Right? Beaubaton. We've had better hats, but yes, I would go with that. So the months fly by. Six months later, mm-hmm. all the girls are nervous because the board of trustees. I love, this is the only picture book I've ever run into where they're like, oh no, it's the board of trustees. That does an annual inspection. Well, they have to know their money is being well spent. No, in no way would a board do an inspection. No, never firsthand. They would have sent an inspector or something right. on their behalf. But no, these are very hands-on rich people. They're very rich. And very bold. One of them is a lord. His, yeah. His name is Lord Cuckoo Face. <laughs> Cuckoo Face. Really? Yep. Really? Lord. I'm sorry, let me say it again. Cuckoo, Cuckoo Face. Face. Yes. That's his name. Um, he and uh, the, the other lady find a dog under the bed and they say, get rid of this dog. And I dare say, said Lord Cuckoo Face. Cuckoo I mean, it's a perfect disgrace. Ooh, and uh, and they kick the dog out, and it goes on its merry Doesn't way. Doesn't it kind of look like your dog? Just a little bit. A little when it's, bit. When it's white. Yeah. I mean, my dog's not a girl, but... No. There is that. No, there is that. <laughs> and this is quite the girl. Yes. And uh, and all the girls are crying because they want their dog, and Miss Clavel's also upset, and she's like, come on, let's go out for a walk to go find the dog. So again... <laughs> In the middle of the I'm night, going to, I'm going to back you up on this one. This one does appear to be at nighttime. Yes, they. She decided again. What is it like at ten o'clock at night? You should be in bed. But let's go try and find. I don't our know, dog. man. I once went to Spain where children just don't go to bed, and it was just shocking to me. Children in restaurants because they don't eat dinner until nine p.m. anyway, and you've got right. kids like running like crazy. I mean, how different is France? I don't how know. How is there not a backyard in this school? A fenced in. Well, they're in Paris. There yeah. can't be a lot of space. I mean, I don't. I guess maybe there would be some sort of yard. There should yeah. be like a some. If it's a yeah. school, there should be a fenced a square, in square at right. least. Yes, of some sort. The, yes, could just put the dog there. Yeah. Whatever. No, I know. Well, the but the board was the one who turned him out in the first place. Yeah, they didn't think to not hide it in the room. That was their first mistake. Yeah, yeah. Um, they weren't thinking this one through. Here's a question for you. So they 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 went looking high and low. And there's someone in the low picture, and to me, it looks like a man that has a very hairy back, and he's not wearing a shirt. <laughs> it's so, a little hard to tell where his face begins and his back ends. It's, and he doesn't have a hand. And he's carrying avocados I, on his back. Large, tasty avocados. avocados. What do you think those are? Odd-shaped watermelons. Uh, they're tiny watermelons or giant avocados. There is no in-between but phase. either way, that man should be wearing a shirt if his back is that hairy. <laughs> eh, if let I, the man be natural. If, Don't backshame that man. If I wanted a nasty tattoo from this book, it would be that guy. Back hair man. <laughs> With his large avocados or tiny watermelons. <laughs> <laughs> so they go, uh, you know, they check out restaurants. They go to a cemetery 
And I wanted to do a little research because there's a lot of famous names in this cemetery. Oh, like, yes. Like Oscar, Oscar Wilde Wild is in there. Yes, I believe this is the, uh, I have a name for that, the Père Lachaise Cemetery. Yeah, and I checked just to make sure that all these people are actually there. The only one that I couldn't confirm, and it doesn't say it's Victor Hugo. It just says Hugo on the tombstone. Well, who else could it be? Right. Yeah. And I, I have been to the Père Lachaise, and the Oscar Wilde uh, tombstone is permanently practically all the time covered in lipstick kisses interesting constantly people just putting on the lipstick and kissing that grave he was he was gay right yeah interesting yeah uh, there is a grave that has french written on it and oh, so i tried to that's Goog- novel i tried to google translate it and this, oh dear. Is, this is what it came to please don't <laughs> this tomb contains alas the three objects which made the happiness of a father of a husband <laughs> wait the happiness of a father of a husband. Uh-huh. The riddle is too difficult for me this late at night. I don't know what that means. I don't know either. I'm but fascinated. I want to know what the three objects are. I assume his children, but... His children are in the grave with Yes, them? that's what I'm thinking. Oh. That's what made him a father, and they were his happiness for a time. Would you call children objects, though? Well, they're dead now. <laughs> <laughs> So they, right, so they're looking high and low for this dog. They can't find the dog anywhere. Um, they go back to the school heartbroken. And then all of a sudden, Miss Clavel decides something's Clavel. not, what? I think it's Clavel. Oh, I was like, I Cla- always say Clavicle. That's how it's it's... Miss Clavicle. That's that. We'll just settle for that. Okay. Yeah, okay. So she goes outside and she finds the dog underneath a lamplight. And so they decide to get the cook out of bed at 3 o'clock in the morning and say, make this dog some food. Aww. And the cook, who's allergic to dogs, is like, ooh ooh And so she makes from scratch Whoa. dog food what? at 3 o'clock in the morning while she's trying not to sneeze into the pot. The poor woman. Right? This is what the problem was. I, no job security in that I time. I feel bad for her. Know, right? So now all the girls can go back to bed, but again... They start fighting over where the dog should sleep. And then we get from the original <laughs> 12 yeah. to 13, back to 12, down to 11. Oh, so they've killed two of them by now. Well, <laughs> I, I guess. And you, they are violent. Is that a headlock? Um, well, you've got, uh, you know, two people using a broom and an umbrella as pure weapons. Yeah, that's just weapons. I mean, yeah. that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, you got another girl trying to, like, splash water. Which oh, that's smart. Right. But you, you run gotta, out of water and what are you going to do? This super angry. She's throwing her doll. Yeah. I mean. But I I swear, it doesn't want to have her arms around oh. the neck of another one. Uh-huh. Yeah. Her head's is... just going to pop right off there. All because of the dog. And the dog's like, feels really bad that this is all going on. Yeah. But isn't doing anything to stop it. No. So. Well, what can the dog do except leave? And that didn't go well anyway. So. So Miss Clat. Clavel. Clavel. Yeah. I just wanted to say clavicle. She comes in and she's like, if you don't stop, I'm going to, you know, get rid of the dog. And they're like, oh, okay. So they all go to bed. And for the third time that night. I I feel for this woman. She's not going to get any Just want some sleep. The light was turned on and the dog comes in and all of a sudden, boom, litter of puppies. It's funny. The dog's expression is very like, whoops. My bad. So, um, um, let me explain. <laughs> See, right. there was this boy. <laughs> it was really cute. And, uh, and, but all of a sudden, the dog manages to have 12 puppies 
and uh, all the girls can have a puppy to themselves. The end. So now, here's. Let, let me, okay, go let ahead. Me just yeah. explain. Yeah. Dogs are pregnant between about fifty-eight and sixty-eight days, or roughly two months. So the dog was missing for two months. No, the dog was only missing for one night. What? Well, how long did they have the dog? Six months. It says in the text. So at some point, while they had the dog, hmm. it slipped away, got pregnant, came back. Yeah. Also, the average litter is about five to six pups. Well, is that for she all breeds? The majority. Okay, so this might be a rare breed that is capable that, that of like double? triple, like it's <laughs> abilities to multiply itself. It's a little weird. And also, why does the last page have it say the end before it says the last line? Obviously, he did the picture separately, and then he was like, oh, shoot, got to put some words here, too. Uh, too late to cover up the end with a thing. Otherwise, you read it as, and to her surprise, she found that suddenly there was enough hound the end to go all around. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're going to read it literally. Now, my problem is like, okay, so the board came and said you can't have a dog. Board turned out the dog. But they all, I guess they come but once a year, so yeah. now we can keep these, these dogs until the board comes around, and this time, maybe we'll hide them better. Well, now they have to hide 13, 13 dogs. 13 Who are you going to pay off to do that? puppies and one mm-hmm. adult. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that. This is not, this is not a long-range plan here. This, this, this has not been well thought out. You're right, though. There's a shockingly little Madeline in this, except that she is the instigator that allows them to get the dog. Right. Really should be called Genevieve. Yes. Yeah. I agree. The first one was Madeline. The second one's Genevieve. And then, yeah. of course, the third one is with... Well, I won't say because we might do it someday, but there's another individual who makes an appearance. You'll like them, too. So a couple things. These are, uh, it won the 1954 Caldecott Award, not even honor, for a sequel at that. Just amazing. I have some, other people have noticed weird little things about it. I will just mention one or two of these. There is a Riverside painter who is reacting and panicked when Madeline falls into the Seine. There is some thought that that might be Ludwig Bemelmans himself appearing in his own book. That's it. Nothing else is that interesting. Okay. That is the sole thing. You mentioned everything else that was of any interest to this. <gasps> Ratings time! You go first. Okay. I like it. Fine. Um, I did... This is one of the rare books that I actually did read as a child um, and can remember... Could remember, like, bits and pieces of it when I returned to it many years later. It's fine. I, I honestly think Madeline's the stronger book, uh, but we can't compare them to another book that we've already that's not here. I understand that. Generally speaking, I think there's too many plot holes for it to really hold together, particularly the fact that I and this always drives me. This is okay, this is the Wizard of Oz the movie problem. Wizard of Oz the movie begins with someone saying, I've talked to the sheriff and we're gonna kill your dog. And then at the end of the movie, the girl and the dog are back, but there's still a woman out there who wants to kill your dog, and that problem has not been solved. Same thing here. You've got an entire board of directors who want to kill your dog, and now we've got 13? This did not solve the essential problem, but it's beautifully illustrated. I'll give it a 4.5. Okay. Okay. I like the love of dogs, because I can relate, and I can't even imagine anyone telling me to get rid of my dog and having him be alone outside. That would scare me so much um and i'm glad that the story really isn't about madeline for most of the time really is not (laughs) she doesn't even get to keep the dog just for herself i mean it's a bit unrealistic at the end with the immaculate conception uh but it's cute sure 
eh, is it a classic? No, but it's a nice story. Yeah. I gave it a 4.75. Oh, wow. wow. So combined, so we're not a, just not, not a classic. classic. Not a classic. No. All right. And that's I'm, okay. I'm they okay can't, with that. They can't all be winners. That's just the way it goes. All right. We got two fantastic letters this week. Yeah. Letters. The first one comes from Jill. Hi, Jill. Hi, Jill. She says, hi, Betsy and Kate. Hello. I just wanted to tell you how much I appreciated your Taylor Poe episode. Oh. That story scared the bejesus out of me no. as a kid. I grew up in Appalachia, oh. so the setting always made it more terrifying. It also may or may not have contributed to my vegetarianism, but we'll leave that self-reflection for another day. <laughs> Weird thing is, despite reading the story in various compilations and hearing it retold many times in school and at the jo- Jonesboro Storytelling Festival, I never knew there was a picture book version. I somehow never encountered it, despite growing up surrounded by books and having a lifelong affinity for scary things. So I was listening to your podcast in the car and was very curious what the illustrations might look like. So when I arrived home, I stayed in my parked car and Googled the book, which led me to a read-through on YouTube. Perfect, I thought. I'll play that. Let me tell you, I could not even get through it. I had to stop after I jumped out of my skin when the wind blew a twig onto my car window. (laughs) Then, for the remainder of the afternoon, my cat took delight in lurking in my peripheral vision. In conclusion, still very scary. I loved what you said about the story playing into fears about poverty and isolation. Rings very true when considering why the story is still very commonly told in Appalachia. Stay sexy and don't t- cut off the tails of weird animals. <laughs> that is awesome. That's, that's fantastic. That's awesome. Thank you, darling. Uh, next comes from James. Hello, Betsy and Kate. I am a, a boy, a man, a ma- man folk, Aww, man a folk. dude, a dude, a dude wrote in, a dude, a guy dude. I am a big fan of your podcast, and I make sure to tune in every week. I wanted to write in to let you know that you do indeed have dude listeners and fans. Nice. Thank you, dude. The Stranger by Chris Van Allsburg is one of my favorite books and a big influence in my life. When I was young, my mother frequently read me all of Chris Van Allsburg's books, and The Stranger was definitely my favorite. Years later, on holiday break from attending art college in NYC, I found our copy in my parents' basement and remembered how much I loved this book and all picture books in general. This find directly influenced me to study and ultimately dedicate my life to making picture books, and I couldn't be happier with that decision. Wow. It's too bad you didn't qualify The Stranger as a classic, but to each their own, it will always be a classic to me. And our mother. And our mom. (laughs) Thank you, darling James. That's wonderful. Grown-up things we like. So since tomorrow is the election, and this is kind of political, um, but... On Netflix, so David Letterman has his own show. It's called My Next Guest Needs No Introduction with David Letterman. And he will sit on a stage and, well, this was when there wasn't a pandemic, he would sit, he would bring someone onto the stage and just have a normal conversation with someone. Mm -hmm. His interview with Barack Obama is amazing. Really? I, it's funny. It's interesting. They talk about John Lewis. Hmm. Um, and given the recent like Black Lives Matter movements, I mean, John Lewis had a huge influence on those. And I mean, you learn things about Obama that you wouldn't even think about now, regardless of whether you're a Republican or Democrat. I highly recommend watching it. The new season actually just came out and it features Lizzo, uh, Kim Kardashian. He interviews. He's already done Kanye West before. But um, yeah, if you have Netflix, check out My Next Guest Needs No Introduction with David Letterman, the Barack Obama episode. Hilarious. Highly recommend it. Love it. Oh, fantastic. I, I assume he'll just do Trump next. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you think? Maybe no, not. Maybe not. Probably maybe, not. Maybe never. 
Uh, mine is a new podcast. Uh, this was one my husband clued me into. It's called You're Wrong About. It's by Michael Hobbs and Sarah Marshall. Mike and Sarah are journalists. They're kind of obsessed with the past. And every week, they reconsider a person or event that's been sort of miscast in the public imagination. So basically, uh, Sarah will say to Mike, Mike, have you ever heard of... Uh, the Satanic Panic of the 80s, or the Stepford Wives, or, you know, these different topics. And then Mike will have to come up, the Y2K bug is a really good example. Like, what happened there? And he will give what he thinks happened with that. And then she'll be like, so you're wrong about everything. Let's go through it. She is funny. He's funny too, but she's witty. I really love listening to it. It's got kind of the same vibe as Sawbones. It's very much, again, the person does a lot of the, but they both do a lot of research and they're both sort of playing off of each other i just absolutely love it uh that is a podcast you can get it all where all your fine podcasts are sold and that is you're wrong about interesting yay cool all right well i wonder if um america's gonna explode tomorrow <laughs> um, if it doesn't it'll take a good week Okay. We should be able so to get we, another so podcast. We can get another in. podcast. We can get at least one more podcast before in. America explodes. Precisely, okay. precisely. That's my plan. I think it's a strong plan. I hope so. I hope so. Or too. we can just skip to 2021 or 2050. I was thinking 2050, actually. Okay. Um, so see you on the other side, kid. See you in 30 years. All right. And until then, I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse Eight and Kate is a Fuse Number Eight production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8 Kate. Follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime and our commander-in-chief is Drew Atienza. Fuse8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Bird.